0: Good morning. How are you doing today? It's a long weekend, and as you can see, there are only a few of us, faithful ones, who are here today. Congratulate yourself. (laughs) And um, um, I'm just grateful that all of you are here, and I hope you're doing okay today. Our first song says, This is my prayer in the desert. My question to you is Have you ever sung in a desert? Have you ever been in a desert? Are you in one right now or heading towards it? Many of us work full-time jobs throughout the week. Many of us have families, and some of us have just dropped off our kids at Sunday school. Many are broken. Many of us struggle with sin. A lot of us may be in the desert season right now. With all the burdens of life, all of us have a hard time switching gears to get into the right mindset to worship in spirit and in truth. This morning, let us turn from worldly distractions. Let's set aside our cell phones, anything that is worrying us right now, and set our minds, hearts, and attention on the glory of God. Sometimes, God calls us to come away from all the noise and sound. He draws us near to hear His whisper and experience His solitude. But how can we come away and hear the voice of God? All the earth bows down to you. They sing praises to you. They sing the praises of your name. Before we begin to worship, he begins in us. But before we sing, are we listening? In Hosea 2.14, God says, Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. God may call us into a desert, all to be alone with himself. A desert is an unlikely place to find refuge, but it is here that we find the Lord as our resort and rescue. In the desert, we find our strength, nourishment, and provision. It is also where we see and hear nothing but his display of grace, wisdom, and healing. The desert is where we experience his streams of mercy and restoration. So, where are you? What is your desert? How are you allowing him to draw you away, all to find his never ending cup that overflows? The Lord speaks once again in Isaiah 43, verse 19 See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams. In the wasteland. Right now, I'd like to ask everyone to stand up and let's say a word of prayer before we start our worship in songs. Lord, we have come to worship old and young, rich and poor, happy and discontent, at peace and restless. More or less full of faith, we come. We come curious about this new thing that you can do. Can you find a way through financial difficulties? Can you find a way through loneliness and family tension? Can you find a way through sickness and grief? Can you find a way through every violence? We need living streams in the wasteland parts of our lives. In this hour of worship, help us to perceive how you are there. Streams of living water, cold, refreshing, abundant, unstoppable. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's all put our hands together and let's begin this time of worship. This is my prayer in the desert when all that's within me feels dry.
1: This is my prayer in my hunger and need. My God is the God who provides. And this
0: is my prayer in the fire. In weakness or trial or pain There is a faith proved of
1: more worth than gold So refine me, Lord, through the flame I will bring praise, I will bring praise No weapon formed against me shall remain I will rejoice, I will declare God is my victory and he is here.
0: Come on, I want to hear your voices this morning. Let's all clap our hands together.
1: This is my prayer in the battle When triumph is still on its way I am a conqueror and co-heir with Christ So firm on his promise i stand I will bring praise, I will bring praise, no weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice, I will declare, God is my victory and he is here. All of my life, in every season, you are still God, I have a reason to say. I have a reason to worship.
0: Come on, let's worship God in every season.
1: All of my life, in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. All of my life, in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing, I have a reason to worship. All of my life, in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing, I have a reason to worship. formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice, I will declare, God is my victory in me. To be emptied again, the seed I've received I will sow. Jesus delights in us, yet there are
0: many days we fail to believe this to be true. We think of ourselves as unworthy, unlovable, and undeserving of his unconditional love and care. Yet Jesus will take us as we are. So who do you say he is? May we use these next songs to reflect on who is the Jesus you know and what you are believing about Him.
1: I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazar.
0: You know this song Want to know more of him?
2: Most Gracious Heavenly Father, our living stream, indeed in every season of our lives, in every circumstance, in every situation, you are still God. No matter what we are going through, there's still a reason to sing, there's still a reason to praise you, there's still a reason to worship. Whether we pass through the fire or walk through the desert, whether we go through trials, weakness, or pain, we still rejoice. We still declare that you are our victory. No weapon formed against us shall prevail. No schemes from the enemy shall harm us, for we shall overcome through you. We are conquerors. And co-heirs with Christ. We are victorious in the power of your name. And we shall stand firm on this promise. For you will make a way where there is no way. You'll make a way through the wilderness and turn it into streams of living water. This is our prayer. In seasons in the wilderness as well as in seasons of abundance. We know you fill us to empty us again. We plant the seed that we receive in order that we will sow. So may you continue to refine our faith through the flame, that our faith may prove of more worth than gold. Father, in this lifetime, to know you to know your Son and to know your Spirit is the greatest thing. There is nothing else that compares to this. All we own and possess pale in comparison. All that we gain are counted as loss before you. So may we be wise to exchange all the things that we hold dear in this life with the joy of knowing you, with the joy of to be able to sing your praise all our lifetime in eternity. May that be our heart's desire to know you more, to be found in you, and to be known as yours. We rejoice that by grace we have been grafted into Christ to be branches on a vine which bears the loveliest of all fruits. May we continue to be more fruitful and more faithful, That we may become more and more like your son. The church, New Millennium Evangelical Church is yours. May you lead us into our future just as you have led us in our past. May we be one that the world may see you in us. Grant healing grace and strength to the members of this body who are weak, sick, or in pain. Give us the grace to endure this journey to acknowledge and to submit to your will, and to know that whatever you have given, you gave us the strength to endure. We humbly ask that you restore us if it is your will. We place our worries, our anxieties, our concerns, our struggles, our problems and challenges upon you who carries our burdens for us. We cast all these cares upon you for you care about us. Meet us this morning and minister to each person according to need for you know every desire, every need of our heart. Bless your servant to be your channel of grace. Prepare our hearts to receive your word that we may be doers and not just hearers. May you be pleased By by our offering to you this morning. For you see what is in our hearts. This is our prayer. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you to our worship team, uh, led by Sister Dawn. And thank you to our accompanist, Adrian and Pauline. Thank you for being here. Congratulate yourself in spite of the weather and in spite of many people taking their vacations because of the long weekend and because it's school break, start of school break. So thank you for being here. And uh, you are privileged to be here because I'm honored to introduce to you our guest speaker today. He's the lead pastor of Trinity Christian Fellowship in Bacolod and chairman of Bacolod Pastors Prayer Fellowship, an interdenominational fellowship of pastors in the city. He finished his Doctor of Ministry at the Singapore Bible College and is currently completing his PhD degree in Christian Clinical Counseling with A-G-S-T and B-S-O-P. He's also a very good writer. Okay, I have a copy of his book. Uh, it's uh, very highly recommended. And uh, he has graced our pulpit once before. A father of two, his better half is also with us this morning. Let us now give a warm and make welcome To Reverend Dave and Pastor Gervidine King.
3: Good morning, Taike, how it's a It's a privilege to be here. Um, and on uh, behalf of um, the City of Smile, we want to greet you all, uh, Blessed Sunday, as we worship the Lord together. So I uh, will be discussing about being faithful and fruitful based on John chapter 15, which talks about Jesus being the vine and we being the branches. So um, as what, uh, what Pastor... Jason Jason Um we have uh, some materials that um, would help us in our Christian walk these materials were developed in order to help us Christians um, read um, in a daily basis short and um, bits of insight from the scripture so feel free to go through uh, the back later on I'll also be leaving a set uh, for the church to put in the library and hopefully it will be a blessing to many people. So we're we'll looking at uh, John chapter 15, and um, I would like to request all of us to stand, if it's OK, if you are able to, as we read um, the scripture and see what the Bible says for itself. So John chapter 15, the Bible says, "Can we read it together? I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener." If you do what I command. Let's pray. Lord, we come before your presence, O God, we commit our the word to you, O God, and we thank you because your your word said that it will not return to you empty and void. And today allow your word to transform our lives so that we will not just be hearers, but doers of your word. And we affirm, O God, that your word is powerful and sharper than a double edged sword. Allow it to work in our lives, and through your Holy Spirit, allow it to minister and transform us. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Talking about fruitfulness, the question is, what is fruitfulness? Well, fruitfulness have two aspects. There is that external aspect, which talks about an extremely plentiful or overflowing quantity or supply. So this is the external thing. When we see uh, things that are multiplying, increasing, we know it is um, fruitful. But in the internal aspect, it talks about overflowing fullness or the abundance of the heart. So internally, fruitfulness is the state of being productive or prolific. So we can say that a person is fruitful in his work, but that fruitfulness is not just the out, the the external overflow, but it is from the inside. So what I'm driving at this morning is that fruitfulness does not just happen. It begins from deep inside us. That's why Jesus was talking about us abiding with him. Because unless we receive our strength from him, fruitfulness cannot happen on the outside. So, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, it says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. Whatever we store inside us, it will come out in the outside. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, the Bible says, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. So what the Bible is saying is that it is God who is able to make all things abound within us, so that always we will be able to, to be sufficient in everything. And produce the good works that God desires from us. And so, first of all, we need to remember that faithfulness comes from abiding in God. Verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So, number one key to fruitfulness is having the right Connection, And the Bible tells us we have to be connected to the vine. The Bible tells us Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. So the branch needs to be connected to the branch. The branch needs to be connected to the vine so that it can bear fruit. This is a picture that I saw which uh, interestingly depict what the vine and the branches are. So the Bible says God is the gardener. He is the one who does the pruning. But Jesus is the vine. The vine is um, the main, the main um, plant that you see there in the middle. And the branches are those that comes out of the, of the vine, which produces the fruit. So when we talk about a vine, it is a picture of the grape, which is very common in Israel. So they have vineyard which Jesus was using in order to illustrate our relationship with him. So the Bible says every branch that bears no fruit is cut off because it is useless and thrown to the fire. And so the Bible continued to say, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory. Many Christians like this verse. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given, it will be done. But we need to understand the context in which Jesus is saying this. Jesus is saying, if you remain in Him, then whatever you ask for will be given because you are living for Him and desiring the glory of God. And so whatever you are asking for is not for yourself. It is for God's glory. And the Bible says, for the purpose of bearing much fruit so that people will know that we are his disciples. So this promise of asking and receiving is based on the context of us being connected to the vine and living out our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ for the glory of God. And so the root of the matter is the root really matters. It goes back to the root. What is the root? In Hebrews chapter 12, 15, it says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. The Bible talks about bitter root, a root that defile. And we know that bitter root is connected to sin in the life of a person. And so that's why, The gardener does a number of things. First, the gardener trims. He does trimming in order to beautify the plant. But the gardener also does pruning. So what is pruning? Pruning is cutting off certain parts of the branches in order to allow new branches that are fruitful to grow. So the Bible reminds us that the gardener cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will become fruitful. But there's a third thing that the gardener does. The gardener also grafts. He does grafting. The unique thing about grafting is that it allows a plant to be connected to another plant so that it will continue to grow and bear fruit. Why is grafting important? We need to remember that as individual persons, we grow up with a lot of hurt and pain. Throughout our lives, we experience a lot of rejection, a lot of abandonment, a lot of trauma and things that causes the bitter root to be there. And we know all of this is because of sin. And so it affects the way we see ourselves, our self-image. And because of our self-image, there are a lot of needs in our life that we pursue because we want acceptance, we want recognition, we want people to know that we, are, we matter and we are valuable. So that is the problem. We are unable to bear fruit because we are so focused on our needs and struggles. And so the Bible tells us that we have been grafted into Christ. In other words, the Bible promised that um, having been grafted into Jesus Christ as a branch, we need to continually be connected to Him so that we can bear fruit. The moment a branch disconnects with a, with a vine, it dries up, it dies, and becomes useless. And so, our self image should be rooted in Christ not in the things that we've experienced in the past. So, fruitfulness is rooted in faithfulness. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. So, how do we remain in Christ? The Bible says we remain in His love and keep His commands. So key number two in being fruitful is right living. Our life should be transformed by the word of God and obedience in the life of a believer is very important. So fruitfulness doesn't just happen through wishful thinking. We don't become fruitful by saying I want to be fruitful. I wish I am fruitful. But fruitfulness happen through right living and right thinking. In other words, what we believe is vital. So how we live depends on how we think. According to Romans chapter 12, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind So instead of conforming to the pattern of the world. The renewing of our mind is very important because unless we have the right thinking and right belief, then we will not be able to bear fruit. A person who grows up in a very critical environment would tend to be insecure. That person will think that he is incapable of doing a lot of things. And that kind of thinking will keep that person from being fruitful. You know, um, I have been a guidance counselor in school for a while, and I noticed that... um, Many of the students that are sent to the guidance office is either because of behavioral reason or because of academic. They keep on failing. And um, talking to some of the students who are failing continually, I realized that many of them are not dumb, but a lot of them are, are intelligent students. But the reason why they keep on failing is because um, in their mind, they have this narrative that they are not intelligent. So probably they grow up in their home, wherein they hear people saying, di agong, di hang, you don't know anything. And that stuck in their mind as they were growing up, and going to school, they feel that they are unable to measure up to expectation. So sometimes that kind of thinking can hold a person back. Like for example, a student who will take the exam... If it's in his mind, he thinks that I won't, I won't pass anyway. He would not give effort. He would not even try to study because at the back of his mind, no matter what I do, I'm not going to pass. Or a person applying for a job think he goes to the application or the interview thinking, Oh, I will not be accepted because I'm not good enough. So during the interview, that person will not be able to give his best. So that kind of thinking will hold the person back. In the same way as Christians, if we don't have that right belief in the Lord, that He is the one who allows us to bear fruit, then we will hold back. We will not have that confidence to share the gospel to people. We will not have that confidence to serve others, to do ministry, or or basically to live for Christ. So we become passive believers. That's why it begins with the renewing of the mind. It begins by allowing God to show to us who we are. Not in the sight of men, but in the sight of the Lord. Remember that when the Lord looks at us, He sees us not from our failures. He sees us from where He wants us to be. You know, God is not bound by time. He is not bound by the past, present, and future. Probably today... All we can see is the present, and we can look back in our past. But God sees us where He wants us to be one day. And that's why whenever the Lord deals with us, He sees us not from our failures, but He sees us from the position where He is bringing us to be. So we need that kind of mindset. We need to have that vision where the Lord wants us to be. What is the Lord placing in your heart? What is that purpose He is giving you? So allow God to renew your mind so that you will believe that though you are an incapable, but God is able to make all things abound so that you are able to do what He wants you to do. So right living is very important. So what is the, what is the reason why we have a distorted thought that keeps us from being fruitful? Well, Many of us do not understand or probably have not heard that um, the brain does not function only for thinking but also for feeling. We have that impression that when we talk about the mind, it is here, the brain. When we talk about feelings, it is here, the heart. So some people would say our, our thoughts and our feelings are six inches apart and we struggle what to follow. There are people who say, Follow your, follow your brain, follow your mind. Others will say follow your feeling. So there's that pull. Do we follow what we think or do we follow what we feel? But let us remember that the heart is not for feeling. The heart biologically functions in order to pump oxygen and blood into our system. So that's the function of the heart. So in the Bible, whenever it talks about the heart, it is a representation of who we are, and it could also be connected to the concept of the soul. But biologically speaking, our brain is where our rational and emotional aspect or function are located. So the limbic system is where the emotions are, and the frontal lobe is where the rational works. So the reason why there is a disconnect between what we feel and what we think it's because of fear. There are many things that we are afraid of. And when fear becomes the overpowering emotion, it causes us not to be able to think logically. And we begin to make wrong decisions in our life. We begin to panic. We begin to become anxious. And that causes us not to be able to think straight. So underneath the fear is the feeling of Um, Guilt and shame. According to psychology, guilt is the most basic emotion. And the difference is, um, this emotion has to do with who you are or what you have done. Shame focuses on your identity. But guilt focuses on the things that you have done. So you feel guilty because of what you did in the past. And it caused you to be ashamed because you feel that you are a failure. So remember, when a person fails, it doesn't make him a failure. He just failed. Pure and simple. That means that person can rise up, that person can succeed despite the failure he experienced. But the moment the person thinks of himself as a failure because of something that he failed in and failure became part of his identity then that person will no longer be driven for success. Because in the mind of that person, he is a failure. So sometimes the enemy uses shame and guilt to overpower us so that we cannot rise up as believer. But the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, the believers overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. The blood of Jesus Christ overcame our guilt because he paid for our sin. In other words, yes, we are guilty because of sin. But when Jesus died on the cross for us, he took away our guilt upon the cross. But what can overcome shame? Because sometimes shame is so deeply embedded in us that though the guilt has been taken away, the shame remains. The Bible says, through the word of their testimony. When a believer recognizes that his past is no longer his present, in other words, the past is now gone because he is a new creation in Christ, and he can talk about the things that happened in the past as a testimony of how God transformed him, then shame is removed from his life. So that's why the, the desire of Christ is to remove shame and guilt. And that means we are reminded that we are now new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. If shame and guilt is not overcome, it is manifested in the outside through anger and aggression. A person is irritable when there is insecurity. A person is, is easily angered when there is a sense of being rejected. So when the self-image is not right, when we have a poor self-image, we become sensitive to people's comment. And we are easily offended. Do you know that one of the greatest tool of the enemy that I've observed recently is offense? Since the pandemic, I don't know what happened. A lot of things have changed. The landscape of society, but also of the church, has been changed after the pandemic. It seems like people have become more focused on themselves. You know, those lockdown and isolation have caused people to think about themselves more than others. They are concerned about their safety. They are concerned about their lives. They are concerned about their needs. And after the pandemic, we try to go back to normal, but people are still trapped. In that kind of thinking, I have to protect myself. I have to think about myself. And sometimes it causes people to be sensitive and easily offended. So a little comment that may have no meaning is taken as an offense against a person. So as a church, we need to guard ourselves against this attack from the enemy. We have to guard ourselves from offense, from being from uh, feeling that somebody is doing things against us. So these things are caused by the emotional wounds in our lives. There are wounds in our lives that because of our experiences, that cause us to have that fear. So what are emotional wounds? It is what others did to us, what people did to us in the past. We may We may have been rejected, criticized, ridiculed, or betrayed. So those are the things that contribute to the emotional wound. It is also what other people took away from us. But third, it is also caused by what we did to ourselves. So because of the emotional wound, we begin to develop defense mechanism. What is defense mechanism? These are things that we use in our lives In order to try to protect us from further hurts and wounds. So, some people, they choose to put a wall between themselves and others. They don't want to go deep in relationship because they are afraid that they will be hurt again. And as a result, destructive vows take place. Destructive vows are things that we say to ourselves. Like, for example, Um, if a person experiences break up or heartache, a destructive vow could be something like, I will never fall in love again. You know, it's very common for teenagers that uh, after a heartache, they say, I will not fall in love again. Well, at least for a week. After one week, they're in love with somebody else. You know, those are vows. I will not let anyone hurt me. I will not be vulnerable to anyone. I will not show anyone that I need them. So those are vows that we say in our life that cause us to try to be independent, to try to be, um, to try to assert ourselves and show people that we are able, for the purpose of protecting ourselves from hurt. One of the things that I observe that people today do when they are overwhelmed emotionally is to isolate. That's why depression is very common today. One of the greatest, one of the great, one of the popular theme today is called mental health. A lot of people are struggling and we know suicide is on the rise. That's why in our city in Bacolod, um, one of the counselors proposed to have a hotline for those who are depressed or suicidal. But then after discussing together, we realized that having a hotline is not enough because there are people Um, who are going through this, who will not even take a call, who will not make a call. So sometimes, um, we depend on people who are desperate for help, but there are those who would not even let others know that they are going through something. You know, sometimes, people will be surprised because the friend that they go out with who seems to be so happy, all of a sudden, committed suicide. Because depression is in the inside. Sometimes it is projected Differently, So we don't know. But we need to remember that um, isolation is very dangerous. When a person is depressed and isolate, he dwells on that feeling of being sad, of being rejected. But there is a Christian discipline that is important, and that is called solitude. What's the difference between isolation and solitude? Isolation is being isolated. Um, being away from people for the sake of being alone i just want to be alone i don't want to be to be with people and so you close yourself in a room you find a place where there's nobody but the problem is you keep on focusing on yourself and dwelling on that feeling of hurt pain and rejection but solitude is being away from people for the sake of being with god so it's not being alone for the sake of being alone. It is being alone with God. You allow God to process your pain and hurt and allow Him to give you a different perspective. That's why the discipline of solitude is something that we need as believers. We need to learn not to isolate our, ourselves, but be with the Lord. And so that's why the remedy is the renewing of our mind. We have our own story of our past. We have our own narrative. In other words, this is what I see happen in my life. And my life is so tragic. My life is so unfortunate. We have that kind of story. But what we need to do is to present our lives to the Lord and allow God to do the storytelling for us. Like sometimes when we look at our life, it seems so unfortunate that certain things happen and we don't understand why. But as we allow God... To retell the story for us, things will begin to make sense. I don't know if uh, how many of us have heard of the story of Joni Erickson. She was a teenager who jumped off the cliff in order to dive and broke her neck. As a, res- as a result, she became quadriplegic. In other words, only her neck up can be moved. The rest of her body is immobilized. For, for quite a while, she prayed that God will heal her. But it didn't happen. Eventually, she began to develop her skills and talent. She began painting using her mouth because she cannot use her hand. And eventually, she also found her purpose. Now, can you imagine if somebody is in the wheelchair and those of us who can walk will tell that person, it's okay, God has a plan for you, God loves you. That person, I'm sure, will look at us and say, Good for you. You can walk. I cannot. But if somebody like Joni Erikson, who is a quadrupelgic, goes to a person in a wheelchair and say, God has a plan for you, that person would look at her and, and see that he is in a better situation. If she can have that faith in God, how much more should I? Sometimes the tragic things in our life can be used by God for greater purpose. Joseph went through a lot. He was rejected by his brothers. He was sold as a slave. He was he was um, um, falsely accused of rape and even in prison when he thought it was his opportunity to get out. When he interpreted the dream of the baker and the cupbearer, he was forgotten and stayed in prison two more years until Pharaoh had a dream. But all these things, all this rejection and suffering led Joseph into Egypt and eventually caused him to become second in command. And God used Joseph to rescue the very brothers who betrayed him. And in the end, Joseph had a change of mind. He didn't see his brother as the villain or those who, who, who abused him and betrayed him. But Joseph saw God's purpose when he said, what man intended for evil, God intended for good. And he even told his brother, do not, do not be angry with yourself because God has brought me to this place in order to rescue all of you. Sometimes in our lives, we look at our story and we say, Lord, why did this happen? Why did you allow this to happen? But when we see things from God's perspective, we begin to understand God's greater purpose. And I'm sure that there will be times in our life that one day we will look back and we will say to God, Lord, I thank you for that unfortunate experience that happened in my life. Do we want it to happen again? Of course not. But we can look at the situation that happened and say, Lord, I begin to see your purpose for this. I am here today because of that. If that didn't happen, I won't be who I am today. So that's why we overcome fear by faith. Faith in the Lord, that He is our God, He is our Father, who knows what He is doing. And He will not allow anything to happen in our life without purpose. So He is leading us to whatever purpose He has for us. So, We allow God to retell the story. So remember, you cannot change your experience, but you can change your perspective, the way you see your experience. You cannot change your memory. Your memory will always be with you. We are familiar with the saying forgive and forget. Do you agree? Is it true? Forgive and forget. You know, the forgive part is something that the Bible commands. But the forget part is something that is not possible. Because our experiences will always be part of our memory. We are not like computer that you can delete. But sometimes we delete things and we forget to remove from the trash bin. Our mind is not like a computer that when you delete and remove from the trash bin, it's no longer there. Whatever experiences that we have, it is part of our memory. And so when we remember certain memories, it triggers hurt and pain. But when we have surrendered it to the Lord and see things from God's perspective, even though the memory may surface, the pain and the hurt will no longer be there. So that's why you cannot change your memory, but you can change your story. And allow God to tell the story of your life for you. So the Bible says not only should we bear fruit, but we should bear much fruit. But not only should we bear much fruit, the Bible says we should bear lasting fruit. So how can we bear lasting fruit? We begin the Christian life by thinking that we chose Christ. I chose Jesus Christ. I chose to become a Christian. I sacrificed things to become a believer. I gave up my my life of vices to become a Christian. So in our mind, it is us. I did this, I did this, I did this. So there is that sometimes pride in saying, I chose God. But we are reminded that we should remain in Christ because we are nothing on our own. We are not able to fulfill God's plan and purpose without him. So that's why the Bible says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. But as we progress and grow and mature in the Christian life, we realize that it is not we who chose God. It is God who chose us. We think that we, choose, we chose him. But in reality, he chose us first. How can that be? Well, one person described it It's like, you are entering a door and you look at the sign on the on top, choose. So you make a choice, will I enter the door or not? And the moment you enter the door and, and inside you look back, you see a sign on the door that says chosen. The Lord allows us to think that we chose him for a while. But as we mature, we realize without God choosing us, we cannot choose him. And as I was praying, Lord, how can I explain this concept? The Lord reminded me that in a courtship, it is always the guy who court. Okay, although sometimes culture change, modern modernization happen, and we see some ladies uh, courting guys. But uh, in a normal culture, it is always the guy who court. So in other words, no matter how much a lady likes a guy, if the guy did not choose her, nothing will happen. So the guy chose the lady first and the lady chooses out of the different suitors who she feels it for her is for her. So it gives us the idea that she chose somebody because she was chosen first. Like Christians the Lord reminds us that it is he who chose us. So in other words we cannot have chosen God if we, if He did not choose us first. And this caused us to be humble and to be dependent on Him. Remembering that without God, without Christ, we are nothing. And we can do nothing apart from Him. That's why in verse 16 it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command: love each other. So again, the idea there, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you is connected to being fruitful. Whatever you ask that will cause you to bear fruit, to live your life for God, you are sure that the Father will give you. To you. So it's not like today, Lord, I want a brand new car, and so you ask, and it will be given, or a, a, a house. Lord, I want a house. It's whatever that can cause you to be fruitful for the Lord. The Lord promised it will be given. John 12:24 says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seed. In order for us to be fruitful, there are things in our life that has to die. In fact, we are reminded that we have been crucified with Christ. I like one speaker when he said, God is not looking for committed Christians. Wow, that's a very strong word. So what is he looking for? If he's not looking for, because right now we are saying in church how we wish people are committed. To God. But he said, God is not looking for committed Christian. What is he looking for? He is looking for crucified Christians. Christians who have died to themselves and have started living for God. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith. In the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. When a Christian is crucified, then that Christian no longer thinks of himself. But he sees his life as being lived for Christ. You see, when we talk about commitment, who makes the commitment? Me. I make that commitment. And so, I can also undo the commitment. I commit myself today, but tomorrow I have other plans. when you talk about crucified, a person who is dead do not make choices and decision. You no, know, when a person is dead, can a can a dead person complain uh, and say, you "No, know, why? What kind of makeup did you did you do, or why did you put these clothes on me?" You know, a dead person has no choice. In the same way. We are reminded that being dead in Christ means we surrender all our decisions and choices to the Lord. That's what it means to abide in Christ. That's why the call of Christ, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There are two calls here. First, follow me. It's a call to relationship with Christ. And the second one is, I will make you fishers of men. It is called to partnership. Sometimes people focus on the extreme. There are people who focus on relationship with Christ and they don't do anything for Christ. That cannot work. If you have a relationship with Christ, then you will hear his voice telling you, do this, do that. Just like what he said to the disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. But there are people also that are focused on doing for Christ, that they have forgotten their relationship with Jesus. Sometimes it's easy to be very busy in the work of God, that we have forgotten that more important is our relationship with him. Because the things that we do on the outside It's an overflow of our relationship with Christ in the inside. And so that's why we are called not only to partnership, we are called by Christ into a relationship. Our relationship with Him becomes the basis of partnership. Now, in business, usually when we want to partner with somebody, in business, we want to partner with those we have a relationship with, correct? How many of us would partner with somebody we don't know? We feel it's too risky, uh, or we, we anticipate that problem may arise in the future because we don't know that person. So usually we want to do partner with people that we trust, people that we have relationship with. And that's why the call of Jesus is for us to build our relationship with him so that the fruitfulness will be an overflow of that relationship. So fruitfulness brings fulfillment. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. So, in order for us to be able to fulfill God's work or God's call, is we need to have a right purpose in life. Matthew thirteen twelve says, "For whoever has, to him more shall be given, but he will have an abund so that he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have." even what he has shall be taken away from him. Jesus is saying that in another in another gospel, if we are faithful in little things, more will be entrusted to us. So the relationship with him is very vital. According to F.B. Mayer, don't waste your time waiting and longing for large opportunities which may never come. But faithfully handle the little things that are always claiming your attention. People today want big things in a short time. But many of the great things begin in small things. Big businesses begin in small businesses. God has called us to be faithful in little things. And as we are faithful in little things, we will become fruitful and bear fruit that will last. Let me end with this. A few years ago, we were able to go to China and visit this place. This is one of the places that I was excited to visit. It's called the the Temple of Heaven. And it is said that in this place, uh, the emperor of China, especially during the Ming Dynasty, a lot of emperors were able to use this structure as a place of offering sacrifice to God. You know, the emperor is called Hongte. God is called Xiongte. So it is recognized that Xiongte is higher than Hongte. He is the God, the emperor on high, the emperor of heaven. And so the emperor on earth worshiped the emperor of heaven. When we went through the entrance, we were surprised because there were a group of people who were singing a hymn. They were singing, I, I forgot the song, but it's about, um, about, uh, related <laughs> to, 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 to worshiping God. And they were, it's like, they were recalling the time in which China was a country that recognized that there is a God who created everything. And that's why it's very amazing how our Chinese Language, especially in the traditional writing, would be able to tell us the story of the bible i don 't know how many of you have encountered that in using the, bible, the, the Chinese character we are able to to show the story of the Bible all the way from creation. To the crucifixion. So it's amazing how God has placed the story of the Bible in our Chinese language. And we know some of those words, like um, righteousness, gi. It, it talks about a person under the lamb, covered by the lamb. Or lie. The word lie is very interesting because it, it, it is depicted by a cross with three people on the cross. And the invitation to come is there. So, God is a God of wonders. And so, when we were there, we realized one thing. China no longer recognized God as a nation because it's a communist nation. But yet, there's still this one structure that served as a reminder of how China once recognized and worshipped God. So, today... It's just a monument, a relic of the past. Because no no worship takes place. It is only a place for tourists to visit. So the power of a moment, a moment lost, becomes a monument. But a a moment gained becomes a momentum. In our Christian life, we don't want to lose our momentum. We want to continually bear fruit so that from bearing fruit, we will bear much fruit and we will produce fruit that will last. But the moment we lose our momentum, then we become a monument only, a reminder of the past. And sad to say, COVID has caused a lot of people to lose that momentum. But God is reminding us it's time to regain that momentum. It's time to remember that we are connected to the vine who is Jesus Christ. And if that connection is not that strong and we are in danger of drying up and withering, so it's time to strengthen that connection so that we will begin to bear fruit once more and become fruitful. So what is the condition of our life today? And what is God calling us to do as his people? You now, it's a big challenge for us as we know that the world is getting darker and people in sin are becoming bolder. Uh, this month is known as the Pride Month. So I don't know what, what, is, what will be going on in, in, um, here in Manila. But in Bacolod, we're praying, and praise God, we had the opportunity to be praying every week inside our government center, and have a worship service going on once a month in the government center. So we're praying for righteousness, for God's holiness to be manifested. But as Christians, we are called to be the light and the salt to the earth. People need to see who Jesus is through us, and the only way for Jesus. To be seen is when we are connected to the vine. So that whatever strength, whatever nutrients, whatever things that we need will flow from the vine to us who are the branches, causing us to bear fruit. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Lord, this morning we come before you and we thank you for reminding us of God that we are mere branches and it is you who is divine. And as a branch, we are nothing. We can do nothing without you. Allow us, O God, to remember that we need to be connected to you. We need to abide in you as you abide in us so that we will be able to bear much fruit. Remind us that everything we do as a believer, O God, we are unable to do without you. And for that reason, you have said that you have given us your Holy Spirit to empower us so that we are able to live a life that is holy and pleasing to you. Today, O God, renew and refresh us with your purpose and with your vision in our life. Remind us, O God, that our life is not just a life that is passing Or a life that is just meant to live day by day. But remind us, O God, that you have greater plans for each one of us. And your word said that these plans are plans that no eyes have seen and no ears have heard. No mind can conceive what you have prepared in advance for us. And today, bless each one and continue to speak to our hearts, O God, so that we will... Have that deep desire to be intimate with you, to have that deep relationship with you. Because only in that relationship with you can we live a victorious Christian life. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We
0: rise respond in both word and song to this beautiful and very timely message. Because without Christ, we are We are branches rooted in the vine of Christ.
2: We come because we seek to abide in Christ.
0: The branches that remain in the vine bear much fruit.
2: We come because we long to be spiritually
0: vibrant, alive, and productive. If we abide in Christ, then Christ's words will abide in us.
1: We come because we strive to be faithful disciples.
0: We have gathered for worship to the glory of the one God. Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. May May we we grow wildly as God tends us lovingly.
1: Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest, and without you. Bye.
2: us today, Reverend Dave. Uh, I believe all of us are blessed by the message. Uh, very wonderful insights. That's why, again, I highly recommend uh, his devotional books. Uh, they are available outside the sanctuary after the worship service. You can purchase them. Uh, it covers uh, different books of the Bible, devotional materials, so you can get the copy after. We're going through a series on the seven I am statements of Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John. Uh, today, uh, last week, we learned about... What did we talk about last week? I am the good shepherd and I am the door or the gate of the ship. And this week, I am the vine. Okay, uh, After this, after next week is Father's Day. Then we will continue the fourth Sunday of June about the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Okay, next week is uh, Father's Day. Uh, Special honors will be accorded to our fathers uh, who are here, uh, who are 70 years old and above. Children with septuagenarian and octogenarian fathers may register their names with Sister Jing, At the third-floor lobby after the worship service, those who have their names pre-registered will be given priority in the distribution of gifts. Today is the last day for registration. Please take note. If you want to be part of a discipleship group or a small group, kindly contact any of our pastoral team members and we'll be glad to connect you to a group. We highly encourage you to be part of a group uh, not only for support but also for accountability. Today's flower offering is from a friend of Sister Shirley Yu in commemoration of her seventy second birth anniversary. Dan so tuan tuan yong uh, right now, we would like to welcome uh, Sister Bernice, uh, who is visiting us from Seattle. Thank you for joining us this morning. We would also like to welcome any first-time visitors who are joining us today. Please rise to be recognized. Any first-time visitors? Okay, if there are, please join us for a cup of coffee at the lobby after the worship service. Okay, please rise for the benediction. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face continue to shine upon you and may be gracious to you. May He lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. Want Thank you for worshiping with us, both on site and online. May the Lord bless your week. Remember, the best is yet to come. See you next week.